Welcome to the Bible in Our Culture, an outreach radio ministry of Liberty Remnant Church, where we encourage you to view the culture through the lens of the Holy Bible. Hi, I'm Pastor Jay McPherson, and welcome once again to the Bible and Our Culture, where we look at the culture through the lens of the Bible, not vice versa. Last week, we talked about a sensitive topic. What is it to be a Pharisee today? How do we apply Jesus' interactions with Pharisees to our lives today? And I mentioned that all of us might have a little bit of Pharisaicalism in us just because we're deceptive by nature. That is, Jeremiah 17 said that we have a heart that's deceitful, desperately wicked, who can know it? So we tend to have confirmational biases and see ourselves uh, as pretty rosy when in actuality we might have some flaws, uh, including the same flaws the Pharisees had. Looking into the Bible and Jesus' interaction with them, I came up with four common denominators of the attitudes of a Pharisee. Number one, you probably already know, it's hypocrisy. Jesus often rebuked the Pharisees for their hypocrisy. Call them names. Call them hypocrites frequently. Another thing we see, Jesus was on them about being external. They were focused on the externals, not on the inward heart and character that God wanted them to have. Number three, they were people pleasers. They really cared about pleasing people, about their reputation. They wanted to be highly esteemed by others. And then the fourth thing is self-deception. See, lots of self-deception with the Pharisees. They were blind, leading the blind. So big mess there. We touched briefly on some things that Pharisees are not. A Pharisee is not simply someone who loves God's law more than you. A Pharisee is not someone who is more disciplined than you. A Pharisee is not someone who is more responsible than you. And a Pharisee is not someone who knows the Bible better than you. And a Pharisee is not just simply someone who calls himself a Christian, but is uncool and out of style. I've grown up in the church, gone to various Bible schools, worked for various churches, and it seems that most folks seem to think a Pharisee is some of those things. They might miss the true heart and character of a Pharisee and why Jesus was on them so much. So Jesus applied to the Pharisees these attitudes of hypocrisy, externalism, people-pleasing, and self-deception. And I think he got on them heavily because He cared about those who they were oppressing. They looked to control people. They looked to exalt themselves above people. And they were rude. They were unloving. And Jesus cared about those people, people that they may tag as sinners. But these sinners saw their need for a Savior, so they were drawn to Jesus. And Jesus was drawn to them. And he's still that way today. He is drawn to the humble He's drawn to those who see their need for a Savior. So when we look at these four common denominators, I'm going to go out on a limb and say something I think a lot of Christians either don't believe or haven't quite understood, that it's not just Christians who are Pharisees. Now, certainly Christians can be Pharisaical. They can have hypocritical attitudes. They can get focused on externals. They could tend to be people pleasers and they could get self-deceived. 
But we see those in every category of people in society, not just Christians. We like to, uh, we pastors know we're preaching mostly to Christians on a Sunday, so we always apply the Pharisees to them, the religious people like yourselves. Well, Jesus looks at the heart. He doesn't clump people into stereotypes and classify people uh, based on some sort of bias. He looks at souls. He looks at hearts. So I believe today Jesus would go after Pharisees, not because they were part of a category of people, but their hypocrisy, externalism, people-pleasing, and self-deception led to oppression of the people that God loves. So in Matthew 23, Jesus roasts the Pharisees over and over again, calls them names, defines them for who they really are with brutal honesty. And so I wonder how he would conduct himself if he were walking around today like he did 2,000 years ago. I think he'd get on Pharisees. He might call them something else. But he'd say something like, Woe to you, Pharisees! You quarantine your healthy citizens in a lockdown, but open up the border to illegal aliens. (gasps) Wow, Jesus would talk that way? Well, I see that as hypocritical. Locking down healthy people? But at the same time, never closing the border? There's some real hypocrisy there. I think that's self-deception. I think they're focused on externals. They've got in their mind that they want open borders, and they got in their mind that we have to be locked down so they control us every chance they get, just like Pharisees. He might say, Woe to you, Pharisees! You murder innocent children for money, then call it compassion for women. It's clearly not. It's hypocritical. It's oppressive. It's, well, they're trying to get away with murder, literally. Woe to you, Pharisees. You destroy the innocence of our children in an attempt to validate the insecurities you feel to go along with the deviant behavior of predators. I think Jesus would talk that way today. You call the burning of private property a peaceful protest, but a peaceful outdoor church service you call intimidation and harassment. Today's Pharisees have lost their mind. And yes, I see Pharisees in the secular humanist communities. Woe to you Pharisees, you call immorality diversity and call true diversity immorality. Woe to you Pharisees, you demand the tax return of a businessman who gave up millions to serve his country, but you ignore career politicians who mysteriously accumulate millions while quote-unquote serving as lawmakers. That's hypocritical. That's self-deceptive. I, for one, don't want to be self-deceived. I don't want to be hypocritical. I'm trying to see objective. I'm trying to understand the mind of God. That's why my nose is in the Bible. That's why I'm trying to get a biblical worldview. And how do we apply it to today? Well, I think it takes some courage to apply biblical convictions in today's society. Woe to you Pharisees! You indict a former president for having classified documents, but you look the other way when a former senator does the same, along with perpetual lies being exposed regularly. There can't be a 
different standard of justice based on political party. We talk about privilege today. Who's more privileged than a Democrat? Woe to you, Pharisees. You can still... You can seal verified information about a lost laptop and censor those who report on it. You protect a president who calls people liars while he lies, his lies are exposed regularly. Woe to you Pharisees. You declare math is racist and you yourselves look at anyone and everyone based on the super, superficial category of race instead of looking at their heart personality and character. I think we've seen a, a revival of racism. I call it neo-racism. That instead of following Dr. King's dream that I believe he received from the Lord, we look at race, we look at all these superficial categories and miss somebody's heart, miss somebody's character, miss who they are. Woe to you Pharisees. You call your belief in a big bang science but ignore the science of obvious sexuality. You allow the sex change surgeries of a male born in prison, or excuse me, a male born prison inmate and force the taxpayers to pay for it. You use socialism to oppress and control the people and you try to call it more compassionate than freedom. You say the only answer for past racism is present racism. How hypocritical. Woe to you Pharisees. You fact-check people's comments to outwardly appear objective, but privately you are simply advancing your ideological agenda. Woe to you Pharisees. You block election integrity wherever it comes up, and you still try to assert you aren't cheating. Woe to you Pharisees. You require parents to sign multiple waivers for the kid to play sports, but then require the parent to leave the exam room to discuss sexual activity and sexual preferences. You're oppressing our young people. You're usurping the rights of parents. And it's not merely a right, it is a responsibility before God to raise our children. It's not the responsibility of the state, you oppressive hypocrites. Woe to you, Pharisees. You refuse to allow students an aspirin without signed parental consent, but pass a law prohibiting parents from being informed about a life-changing sex change surgery on their underage child. We've lost our minds. Why? Because of pharisaicalism in society. And everybody wants to point the fingers at the church only, who are Pharisees. Well, yeah, I've been around the church a long time. There's pharisaical tendencies in the church. But because we've, we've, we've been deceived by the great deceiver, we've believed the lives of the father of lies. Therefore, we think that there are secular humanists today that are destroying our country. They can't be Pharisees. I think Jesus says, well, hey, if you've got hypocrisy, if you've got externalism, if you're people pleasers, and if you're blind leading the blind, if you're self-deceived, then you're a Pharisee. Woe to you Pharisees. You rightly prohibit minors from getting a tattoo 
or entering into a contract, but you will force taxpayers to pay for sex change without parents being allowed to even know where their child is. It's nuts. Woe to you Pharisees. You demand government photo ID to do just about everything, but reject any and all attempts at election integrity. That's terrible. If you're a Christian, there's a lot of things you want to fight for, like our religious freedom, ability to share Jesus with people. But if there's no election integrity, we aren't free. We're way worse off than we were before the American Revolution without free and fair elections. Woe to you Pharisees. You ban Dr. Seuss and Looney Tunes while allowing just about everything else. And seemingly the more deviant, the more you support it. Well, despite the anger of Jesus toward the Pharisees, he still loves them and will gladly accept them if they humble themselves and put their trust in him. He did that for me. I hope he did that for you. Even though his sin, even though our sin angers him, and his righteousness cannot be a part of our righteousness, God sent his own son to be the propitiation for our sin, that we could have righteousness as a gift, that we could have his righteousness, and therefore go to God the Father, be adopted into his family, and spend eternity ruling and reigning with him. We expect Pharisees to convert to Jesus. That's our first prayer. That's our first cry. Pharisees, convert to Jesus. Humble yourselves and repent, and we will accept you because God accepts you. But if you won't humble yourselves and repent, we cannot tolerate this type of oppression. We cannot just go by idly and allow uh, corruption and injustice to take place. We cannot survive as a society without justice. No society can. We must have justice. So I think we have to confront this spirit of pharisaicalism, this attitude, this character trait in society, but in our own individual hearts first. Oh, you can be doing really well and then fall into hypocrisy or people-pleasing. It's our old nature, and though we are new creations in Christ Jesus, if we yield to that own sinful nature, we can start people-pleasing, we can start to focus on externals, it's easy to do. But like Jesus, we have to confront Pharisaicalism in our society because of the victims current-day Pharisees oppress. We will get back to today's teaching in a moment, but wanted to briefly let you know The Bible and Our Culture is an outreach ministry of Liberty Remnant Church. We are a simple, relational, biblical, local church. Hello, Christian Patriots. This is Caleb Collier and Gabe Blomgren of Church and State. Here with some important information from Mike Lindell. Take it away, Mike. Hello, everyone. I'm here today to bring you great hope. You all know that the government has deemed our election platforms critical infrastructure. Well, I'm hosting an event that's going to reveal the plan that will save our election platforms immediately. It's something that's never been done before in history and or even talked about for that matter. Everyone, whether you're Republican, Democrat, liberal, conservative, everyone's going to embrace this plan. 
This plan has been worked on for over a year and will be revealed to the world at the election summit on August 16th and 17th. Sign up now to gain exclusive access to the live stream event and also receive a free online gift now. Thank you and God bless. Thanks, Mike. Hurry up, everyone, and go to LindellEvent.com. Register with your email and receive a free gift online now. Use referral code Church and State. Also, go to churchandstate.media for more links and information. Now, back to the rest of today's teaching. It's easy to float downstream when so much pharisaicalism is rushing at us. We see it everywhere. That's why we have this radio program, The Bible and Our Culture. Because more and more, we have to stand strong in a biblical worldview because it's, it, the attack is coming against us from all directions. It's in the, the movies we watch, the news we view, the uh, schools we go to. This pharisaical mindset is coming at us from everywhere. And Phariseeism is a matter and attitude of the heart, but there's also ideologies that are by themselves hypocritical, people-pleasing, self-deceived, and therefore they're pharisaical ideologies. And I've listed a bunch of them. So our first priority is don't be caught up in the deception of the age. Romans 12, 2 puts it, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How do we renew our mind? We spend time with Jesus. We spend time in his word. Make sure the Jesus that we worship is the Jesus of the Bible, not some fabricated version of the Easter Bunny or Santa Claus that we made up and call him Jesus. We have to stay in the light of God's truth. God often refers to his truth as light and deception as darkness. And we have a lot of people walking around in darkness, completely deceived. Boy, when I was a kid in the Spokane area, my mom would get together with a bunch of other moms with kids my age and take to the park in the summer and and we just run all over the park all day long, free as could be. Never once were in fear of being kidnapped or approached with drugs or, or trafficked into sex slavery. But those same parks, today I go walking into myself as a big ugly guy and I'm a little nervous about what's happening around me. You can sense the crime. You can sense that people don't walk in the truth. Their consciousness have seared. They're struggling with addiction. They're struggling with, with um, mental health problems. And so we're not safe. Our kids aren't safe. We've become a society that is comfortable in the darkness, comfortable in the lies. As a believer, we've got to stand strong and say, I am pursuing God's truth. I'm going to walk in the light. Now, people, the Bible says, I think it's John 3, people love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. So you come living a life, you come speaking the truth of God's word, and they're going to attack you because you're exposing their sinfulness. You're exposing their errors. And they're trying hard to live in denial. They're trying hard to live in the darkness. So it's going to take somebody with some real courage to stand and say, this is right. And I do believe if enough of us do that, Pretty soon the deception that the enemy has pushed over on society is going to begin to crumble, and mass people are going to be coming to Jesus. We can be spirit-led, 
as to when and how we confront Pharisaicalism. There's a lot of Pharisees. You can't just blitz them all like uh, somebody with a machine gun in the, the town square. It would be more like snipers. Be a perceptive sniper. Don't just shoot at everything and, and every time a Pharisee moves, but be discernment and be one who, who hears the voice of the Lord and knows the truth so that you can snipe, so that you can confront uh, clearly and lovingly or even as harshly as Jesus wants you to. I recommend we be careful to confront at a root level and a philosophical level so as not to get sidetracked with external arguments. All these indictments on President Trump, my take is if you argue that, they're going to say, oh, yes, he's guilty, and he'll say, no, he's not. Yes, he is. No, he's not. How about all these uh, crimes by the Biden family? Oh, no, it's not true. It's a lie. And we're going to get going round in circles and get nowhere and just get people upset. But if we're going to interact with, with people, if we go to the philosophical level, a deeper level, and share your testimony. It's hard to argue with your personal testimony. If I say I found Jesus in early age, I, I asked my mom heading to the grocery store, how can God be so big yet fit in our heart at the same time? And she sat there and told me what it means to ask Jesus into your heart, and I listened attentively, lost all sense of time and space and where I was, saw Jesus as this victorious champion coming for me, who's prepared a place in heaven for me to be with him forever. And then my mom led me in a sinner's prayer, and, and afterwards she stopped me and said, so you're ready to go in the store now? I was like, oh, my goodness. I didn't realize where we were. I was so focused on who Jesus was as a four-year-old kid for, I don't know, 10, 15 minutes. Jesus made himself real to me. And then I began to doubt at times, but I always came back to who Jesus was. Who's going to argue with my personal testimony? Who can argue with yours? It is what it is. And if you share it confidently and you, you, you share it, then the Holy Spirit has opportunity to work. But if you don't share it because you're afraid of what people think and you don't know what they're going to say, well, frankly, that's selfish. Yeah, if you share your testimony, somebody might retort back at you and call you a name. But what did Jesus endure for you? What did the early church endure because they know who Jesus was? See, our goal is to keep the main thing the main thing. And the main thing is Jesus loves you, and though we were dead in sins, he gave us his righteousness as a free gift by dying on the cross, taking our punishment taking the wrath of God that was due us, absorbing it, and then rising again so that we can have the same resurrection power that he had to reconcile a lost world to him. Now, when it comes to interacting with Pharisees and confronting Pharisaicalism, we want to be like Jesus, except for maybe in one aspect. Jesus never had to admit he was wrong. <laughs> I have. I don't have the luxury of never admitting I'm wrong. Sometimes I get carried away, and, and maybe my statistics I, I heard from Facebook, and I don't really know, so i got to look them up. We, we can argue boldly, confidently, but also honestly and humbly. 
Don't be fooled by the pharisaicalism that is flooding society. Protect your loved ones as much as possible. It's really challenging. I wouldn't know how to raise kids today. My kids are, are teenagers. But to have a little child and think about bringing them through the public school system, I couldn't do it. I couldn't even do it back, back then. I've always put my kids in Christian school, which has been a huge sacrifice financially. But I feel it's worth it. We've got to try and protect our young people. But pray, and I think specifically intercede for our nation and confront the spirit of pharisaicalism. Yes, it's in our churches. It's in our nation. It's in the entertainment industry. It's in the education system. It's in the news. It's in business. It's everywhere. And if we look at it too much, we get focused on it too much, we begin to be like the 10 spies who feared the giants in the promised land. And they say, oh, we can't do it. We're going to die. It's all hopeless. It's terrible. Uh, let's be like Joshua and Caleb, the two spies that went into the promised land and saw the giants in the fortified cities, but said, God is with us. We are well able to overcome it. God wants to bring reformation and transformation to our nation even more than we do. He's just looking for somebody to stand in the gap. He's looking for a watchman on the wall. So I'm just going to pray as we get ready to close. Father God, we thank you for this nation. Thank you for those who've gone before, those who have died for our nation so that we can be free. Lord, you know those freedoms have come under assault. But we ask that you would bring revival, that you would bring conviction, that you would bring an anointing to confront oppression, to stand for justice, to stand against the Pharisees of today in our own heart and in society. Help us to be humble before you, be submissive unto you. Help us to renew our mind with Scripture and not let the culture influence us, but may we, through your word and through the power of your Holy Spirit, influence the culture. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to thank you, those of you that support us in prayer and financially. I want to thank Liberty Remnant Church for being our sponsor. If you have any questions about Liberty Remnant Church, where I pastor, you can email me at my email address, office at libertyremnantchurch.org. It's a long domain, libertyremnantchurch.org, and I'll try and get back to you. You can also go to our website, libertyremnantchurch.org. Hope to see you and hear from you soon. Thanks. Thank you for listening to The Bible in Our Culture, an outreach radio ministry of Liberty Remnant Church. If you want to support this ministry financially, you could do so by going to our website, libertyremnantchurch.org backslash gift and select radio ministry. See you next week at the same time.